this is Amita Switlow. I'm in a really nice house in Ottawa and I have been meeting RVs, return volunteers that served in Uganda, John and Brenda, Brenda Armstrong. Armstrong. They're two absolute personalities. What were you doing in Canada before you left for Uganda? I was working for the government okay. in a job that I really despised <laughs> and could hardly wait to get out of it. And I was working with an engineering company in a job that I really wasn't happy with and looking for a change. And you were married already? We were married. Yeah. And so you decided to apply to CUSO? Yes. I, I said to John that I was going and uh, <laughs> if like? he wanted to come along, otherwise I was going somewhere. Okay. And he said, well, okay, let's get married and I'll go with you. Oh! Actually, we applied to the World Bank, we applied to churches, we applied to all kinds of organizations, and CUSO was the first one to step forward. All right. And they knew they were getting some seriously good people. Well, we were hoping, actually, that we would get to go to South America. We asked to go to South America. And then when we got our letter saying we were accepted and we were going to Uganda, we had to look, get an atlas out <laughs> and find out where it was, because in those days, Uganda was not a place that was very well known no. in Canada, or at least not by us. No, by many around the world. So they, uh, so you fly into Uganda. Um, where were you living when you got there? Like, where, where were you going to be assigned? In Lira. We were in Lira. So we were Dr. Obote's hometown. Lira, okay. And Brenda taught at Dr. Obote College. Really? Mm -hmm. In Boroboro. For a few months. And what did you teach? I was teaching French and English, and I was 21 years old, and I was teaching 19 and 20-year-old boys. Oh, my goodness. So it was a bit interesting, to say the least. We had some, we had some fun times. <laughs> but I, I must admit we were a little nervous when we found out about the coup, yes. because we were in Dr. Bote's hometown, and we thought there might have been a lot of reprisals against the, that the, tribe. the Lange tribe up there. And there were some, but not, not a lot. No, no, because we were far enough out that I think the troubles really, in you notice them more in Kampala than, yeah. than we did out in the country. And what were you doing? And I was working for the Ministry of Works okay. on everything, from roads to airports to water supplies. And as a result, did a lot of traveling in the, in, in the entire area. But weren't you taken there initially to build new water supplies, find no. new water supplies? Okay. But then the money when Amin took over was spent on machine guns and tanks, and all John had to do was keep the old... Yes, it was more of a maintenance, maintenance, maintenance issue. issue. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The old wells going. What I, you know, when I think about also coming from Uganda, is um, when we saw um, you um, Canadians or white guys coming into town, Muzungus, we just saw you going out in the bush and we were saying to ourselves, oh my goodness, do they really know what they're doing going out there? But it must have been, a, for, for us that lived in Kampala, big city, it must have been a really interesting place to be in Lira. Like a little, t a smaller town. How many people do you think in that town? No, I don't know. Not awful. Not I don't remember. It wasn't very large. It, it was wasn't a very large. small yeah. town. Like a small, not a village, but a town. A small yeah. town. Uh -huh. it, had, it, had, it had shops, it had a main street, and you could pretty well buy anything you wanted to there. Yeah. And then we'd go to Gulu if we wanted to, you know, expand a bit. Of course, <laughs> then we would come down to Kampala for the, the big The thing. big days. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and did you meet any volunteers uh, when you were there? Did they Were they uh, touring and come and see you? Oh, all the time. Yeah? We often had people drop by and stay with us, so it was 
it was fun. People came through. There was a doctor from Montreal mm -hmm. who was a CUSA volunteer that was in Lara as as well. I think there were just the three of us. Yeah. Okay. But there was we had doors. There was some Danish volunteers. Oh, there were all kinds of other different, different volunteers, volunteers. Okay. that we got to know. And we also, because I was teaching at um, what became Boroboro Secondary School, I met a lot of other teachers from different volunteer organizations and a lot of the, the Indian staff and the black staff that were... Uh, there were a lot of good teachers that were local people. Yes. And one of my best friends was... Uh, a lady called Rosie Sayani, and her parents owned something called was it Lira Cheap, and it had all kinds of uh, <laughs> like a dry duka. good. Dry, it was a duka, a yeah. dry goods store, and yeah. we became really good friends with them because John and I moved into Lira, uh -huh. and we went to their place for dinner quite a few times. And she, <laughs> I'll never forget one day she was going to teach me to make samosas. Well, she and I went to the market in the morning and we bought all of the, you know, the fresh produce. And we came home and we used a mortar and pestle to grind the, uh, we made our own cumin. It was wow. unbelievable. We started at six o'clock in the morning and by dinner time we had samosas made. We made about, mm, two dozen samosas, they were so good. And the men ate them all for dinner. And I said, I'm never doing this again. That's a whole day's work. It was very interesting. She even sent me home with a, the way to fold. Okay. The, uh, the samosa. Uh-huh. I also have a funny story to tell you. So be, relating to that, mm -hmm. my mom um, uh, cooks. And when we first came to Canada, she would make samosas, oh, same process, mm -hmm. takes forever, and then she would, we'd have some Canadians over for dinner, and they'd take like four or five samosas, and my mom would actually literally reach over, grab them off the plate. <laughs> I don't blame her. Now you, you know, and you know why, it's, because it's like, this is a delicacy, you don't get five. That's right. <laughs> Were One. they spicy? Were they spicy? Yes, uh, you know, not that spicy. Yeah, but what were some of your favorite experiences about being in Uganda? I think the people and and the country just uh, the country. Oh, was it was beautiful. beautiful. I mean, we, of course, we were close to Murchison Falls, so we oh. would get to Murchison Falls. And we were we just, so lucky, yeah. and going to Murchison Falls, I think yeah. one of our best experiences there. I mean, the wildlife was incredible, but we took my parents there. They came over to visit. And we stayed in the tented camp, and the rhinos. <laughs> my parents were was it was it a hippo or a rhino was chewing at their their hippo, tent hippo. one hippo night. Hippo at night, yeah. Hippo at night, yeah. And oh they were petrified, and of course, it didn't bother us. We were used to this sort of thing. We just slept through it. But those were great experiences. But we were fortunate because we did get to travel, and through the network of volunteers, you know, there was always a place to stay. Yes. And uh, I mean, we got up to the northeast, and we got down to visit volunteers in the southwest. And uh, we never got really into the we were in Zories, but we did cover a lot of a lot of territory. Mountains of the moon. Yeah, oh. mountains of the moon. Just such a we're such a beautiful, beautiful country. You were in uh, in Uganda at a very special time. Besides the revolutions and all that, if you just put that aside, very luscious, lush, mm. lush. Sorry, country. Um, lots of food, an amazing diversity of people. And a lot of happy people. 
happy because people. they didn't I was so shocked when we arrived at how happy everybody was and they didn't need a lot of things and I think this is unfortunately one of the worst things mm. we taught them yes. was that things count because yeah. that's really not important in life they were so happy with their little their little akembis I think they were called and they'd be singing and dancing and picking bananas and eating things from the ground and they didn't care if their clothes were ripped and falling apart. I mean, they, they didn't have to worry about winter. I mean, it was a, it was a, yeah. it was a very lush, as you said, country. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you the Western civilization has really spoiled much of much of Africa. Mm -hmm. So, did did that experience affect you in that uh, seeing the simplicity and the lack of major consumption? Did that make you a little bit less consumer-minded? I'd like to say yes, but uh -huh. unfortunately, once you come you back. always swear that when you come back, yeah. that you'll remember what had happened. Yeah. But unfortunately, you get caught up in this, in, in this world. When you go back to Uganda now, you will not see people in traditional clothes. They're wearing all our secondhand clothes, and and it's all very, very changed. Have you been back to Africa? We were, we were back in. It last in 2009. We were in Nairobi for a brief period, yeah. down to Arusha. Unfortunately, we didn't get back to Uganda. But we heard in talking to people in, in Kenya that Uganda was just wonderful. As far people. better. Yeah, far better than what was happening in, in yeah. Kenya. In Kenya. Kenya was, got rough for a oh. while in those, when you were there. And we were very disappointed because yeah. it had modernized like it was a poorer like country in the States. Yeah. Basically, is what it looked a lot like, of traffic, and a lot of we were crime. so disappointed. So much traffic. Oh, yeah. so um, as a couple, you went as a couple. Did did that kind of help uh, keep your relationship? Was it tough as a couple, or was it nice to have somebody that's special there? I think it was nice to have. Yeah. my friend was nice to have somebody because you could you relate. Say that. You, could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, you noticed she looked at me before she answered. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there were. I mean, we could we could relate to the single people and everything. But it was certainly nice to have someone you could share, especially now, to share the memories and and talk about because she can remember things that I don't, and vice versa, which is kind of nice. And know. as a couple, we could still do things as a single. So as mm -hmm. I said to you, one of my best friends was a, a single lady, a teacher at the school, uh, the Indian lady I was telling you about, and we were very, very close. We did a lot of things together. But then John was still invited when her family invited us all for dinner. John would be invited along. So, And you did a lot with the fathers. Right. John helped the fathers out keeping their um, water supply going. And That's complicated stuff, man. It is complicated, yeah, especially oh. there. There, everything just falls apart. Oh, so it does. Quickly. Yeah. Why does it fall apart more quickly? Well, there was than an here? there was an attitude. There was an attitude when I arrived, and I and I don't think we really changed it, because so many countries were just giving money. Yeah. That if something broke, you didn't fix it. You just bought another one. Okay. And so. Consumerism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we yeah, got into uh, a maintenance, and you could repair things. You could repair a lot of things, and mm -hmm. so we, you know, and they were quite willing to. To learn to repair things, even even as you know, you know there'd be vehicles sitting on the side of the road, they just sit there, yeah, because for days and yeah. months mm -hmm. and years. So th there was a shift there, but we were told when we went over, just go over and do your job. Don't try to change the world. You know, you're not going over to you're going over to fill a position. 
but we were also told to work with the people and listen to what the, we were taught a lot about their beliefs so we didn't try and push our beliefs on them we were just trying to live with them and some people took it to an extreme to me there's a way of appreciating other people's beliefs you can still work with your own things that you've learned all your life but you have when you're in somebody else's country yeah you work with them and you appreciate what they do and i think that was one of the things that i learned and what one of the things that annoyed me about perhaps i could say the people from sida they weren't living with the people mm. and they were trying to impose their beliefs i shouldn't say sida because Just, it but other wasn't really international CETA, organizations was, yes no. and i think it was more the british and the americans to be honest with you because a lot a lot of the ones that were being paid very well and not working mm -hmm. were just they didn't appreciate what was happening we were very proud to be canadians and when we traveled we always had the canadian flag because the canadians quite frankly were very well received they much were. more so than the americans or the or the, the british, british. Yeah. So on that particular note, I'll say that it's our 50th anniversary. We have 15,000 volunteers had donated part 35 million hours of service at least, and you were part of that team. And I want to thank you, wonderful couple, inspiring couple, great energy for doing what you did. And this last part of our interview in saying about what working with people and listening to their needs is very much about what we do now. And it's wonderful that you still have that in your mind about the organization. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you.